I, I was always an overthinker and somehow that hasn't translated into my uh, personal and profession, my professional life currently. So I just, I just tell myself next month, the work will come. What I have to focus on is today and doing my best and, and serving my community and serving my client. And, and this is how I'm going to focus. Welcome back to Step Into the Sandbox, a conversational journey through the creative mind. I'm your host, David Verhano, and this is episode eight of the podcast. Today's guest is Jean Canto, someone I've known for over five years through Creative Mornings. She's a founder of JNNS, a studio here in Miami, where she focuses on photography and design, and actually has a background in architecture. I consider her to be a multidisciplinary creative and an artist because uh, she's actually been part of events like Raw Pop-Up and hired to do commission work in New York, Miami, and beyond. Um, Our talk delved into her serendipitous journey from architecture to photography and design, some career advice she's received, also bad advice that she's gone against and learned better, and uh, some of the life lessons she's learned along the way. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. My name is Jean Canto. I'm a designer and photographer. Miami girl through and through. I've been here pretty much my whole life, even though I was born in Dominican Republic. And uh, I am currently working as a designer photographer after starting my, I guess, professional career as an architect. So I actually have two master's degrees, uh, one in architecture, another in a master of arts. And I kind of imagine myself when I was younger being this sort of suit and tie kind of <laughs> kind of designer, you know, like uh, power suit, heels, architect, <laughs> New York, something like that. And yeah. uh, my path took a different route because I didn't really, I wasn't so interested in the traditional route of becoming an architect. And I kind of thought, you know, I can take my talents uh, I can go off on my own and I can, I'm pretty sure I can figure this out for myself and, and make my way in the way that I kind of dream of. So um, my path till today has been, has been really interesting for that reason. Cause where, while I kind of know what I want to do, I also kind of don't, and I'm allowing um, sort of life to happen and I'm allowing my creativity to take me in, in the direction that makes me the happiest. So um, in a long-term sort of mindset, I love to think of myself as an architect at 50 or 60 years old, which is like a prime time for for architects. Um, But right now I kind of love what I'm doing. I love working as a designer and an art director and a photographer and and creating images and creating sets. And that kind of work is what makes me happy now. So that's that's what I love. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You mentioned that uh, you were born in Dominican Republic. Uh, how young were you when you moved to the United States? Yeah, uh, my family came to Miami in 1991. Actually, correction, 1992, because I was a year old. So, um, and it was right before Andrew. So we got to America, and it was kind of like bang, welcome. <laughs> we got hit by the by the hurricane. So. Like I said, like my cousins almost tell me like, oh, you're not even Dominican. You've you've been gone your whole life. But I kind of like to hold on to that part of myself, you know. <laughs> Do you ever go and, back? 
Oh yeah, I go back a lot. Uh, last year I went back like, I was there like four times, which is really cool. Um, it's nice to see my grandfather who's like, he's like 92 years old now. So it's it's great to go more often because you really get to see him and, and, and enjoy being around him. And also um, I've just gotten so much closer with my cousins and it's, it's really nice to be over there because uh, about like 95% of my family is there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that, you know, you obviously moved here, you got your family, your immediate family here, and you said you studied, did you study locally? Uh, I know, I think you went to FIU for the for architecture. Yeah. Another master's degree? Yeah. yeah, both my degrees are actually from FIU. So um, I was a local girl. I was living at my parents. That was five minutes away from campus. And it was like the best situation that could have ever happened. And originally, when I was finishing high school, I was just kind of like, I can't believe I'm staying in Miami. Like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to go to UF, which was like my dream. And that's where everybody was going. And I stayed back. And after those five years, and even looking back now, which I graduated uh, like six years ago or something, I can't do the math right now. But um it was like the best thing to happen to me. It was really great. And to me, the architectural track of learning was the perfect schooling for me and the way I think and, and the way I, I like to design and create things. So it, it, it all worked out great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So in blending those worlds, um, now you're, you're doing a lot more work on the design side or direction, uh, set design. Could you, uh, let people know a little bit more about the specifics as to your work, you know, like what, what's like the last project that you worked on uh, and take us through that, you know, process. Yeah. So right now a project that is about to launch because I've been building the brand, developing the website, uh, shooting all the product imagery is for a skincare company called St. Bum, which is in the new realm of, uh, sex care meets skin care, which is kind of an interesting thing. So um, our, there's a lot of products entering the market for um, scrubs for your butt, literally for your butt. Wow. So it's kind of funny. And as soon as I got the brief for the project, I was kind of like, all right, this is kind of interesting. It's different. It's new. It's fresh. There's not a lot to compare it to. And I'm sure I can kind of like try and do something different. And as a one-person team, I have developed the branding. I've done um, pretty much the web design because we have a developer, but I always, I always create the wireframe, and uh, we're shooting all the content, all the product. Uh, right now, we're working on how um, our, our story ads and Instagram ads are going to work out and, and what's, what are kind of the best practices for that. So it's been an all-encompassing project, which has – honestly been more difficult than I imagined from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's definitely taught me like how much I can accomplish and yeah. it's been cool. Mm-hmm. I always find it exciting when there's a project that you get a build from the ground up, um, yeah. be a part of, you know, it's growth and every phase as it continues to grow and mm-hmm. like you get to see and appreciate the whole aspect of that process. Uh, yeah. And then there's the opposite side where you, you know, join a brand or get to work with a brand that's been established for decades, you know, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. and then you kind of have to find a way to adapt to what's already been done. So there's yeah. a little bit of a challenge there. Is there a preference for you with you know working with a, a more established brand, or do you find yourself liking more of you know new startup brands? Yeah, I definitely like starting fresh. I like um, having a blank slate. I like that opportunity to just create every single aspect of the project. And um, I think it's something that comes from my architectural upbringing too, where uh, we were serving, uh, in, in terms of how we worked in school, we were designing a full project. And it was like, we were branding it. We were designing the building. We we're coming up with the colors and the interior. And we would design the story behind this project. And we would also sell it and present it for our critiques. So it kind of feels like this is the same format where I'm trying to understand something from every aspect and, and every angle. So to me, that's why I think I like it so much. Yeah, yeah I agree. I tend to be on the same side. Um, it's always fun to be able to set the pace and set the tone of a brand from the very beginning and uh, mm-hmm. have that kind of impact on it. Um, at the same time that you do find the challenging part of it because it's like, man, I'm making this decision that it's going to, you know, define the brand. For <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. 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 It's the right. Decision. It's, yeah. It is challenging. And something that I learned from this uh, process is next time I take on something like this, I would like to have sort of a partner on it because since I'm working by myself, I'm kind of my own soundboard and i I feel like I need somebody to kind of like play off ideas or, or to challenge a, a decision that I've made or um, just so there's more perspective. So right now yeah. it's currently, it's basically, it's me, uh, the owner of the company and then the web developer that I kind of work between and they'll critique sometimes, but the owner just wants me to do my thing. And, mm-hmm. and the web developer has his like way of seeing things. So then I would love to team up with another designer the next time I do something like this, just because I feel like the process will be more, um, we'll be able to cover more bases and just have more ideas. And I think that would definitely uh, benefit me for the next round. Yeah. I mean, having that creative input from someone else or a team around you is, is good. I mean, I, the book I'm reading right now called Herding Tigers talks about the whole aspect yeah. of mo- mostly creative leadership, but it talks about those environments of having other people around you and how to foster those kinds of like productive, uh, creative discussions and brainstorms and, and empowering your team. So I, that's huge as, as part of our field. And I'm glad that I have one partner and now we have a third team member, but it, it, it was difficult for many years just to try and work on projects and figure it out on your own and not, you know if you're uh you know just doing it and, and not having the right perspective like you said yeah yeah that's interesting i should check that book out <laughs> you know it's pretty good i'm i'm almost done with it so uh cool. i definitely recommend it um i had a question about art direction because i had just interviewed uh, an art director that he's in the ad world uh he's moving to widen and kennedy now and asked him to define art direction and i always want to ask you know, people of their respective definitions of these roles. So how would you define art direction? Wow. This is funny because I asked myself this the other, this question the other day. And so I was like, how do I, I, I sometimes use that uh, to describe myself. And then I'm like, it can be pretty broad. Um, 
But like we said before, as you develop a project and you brand something, I think the, the, the key to art director is, is trying to translate an idea in your mind to an image that creates a tone for something. So I think it's, it's, it's in there. It's this translation of idea to reality and, and how that happens. So that's how I kind of see the art director's role. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and obviously it encompasses a lot of different layers that go into that. Um, but it's just, I always find it interesting because I think that there's a lot of uh, titles and roles that are being thrown around that a lot of people, especially like aspiring students, don't necessarily know. So it's just better to encapsulate it and define it for them so that they know what we're talking mm-hmm. about. I just like mm-hmm. talking about something else. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Are there any other projects that specifically, I guess we could talk about art direction that you are directed and found like really fascinating and enjoyed doing the most? Um, Something I worked on last year that was kind of cool um, was on a, on a video shoot. And I had maybe four days to put it together. And I basically got a brief and they said, okay, look, we're shooting at this house and there's uh, this is the storyline. We need you to kind of come up with like what our visuals are gonna be like and, um, and what props will live in that space. So in that case, it was kind of like an in-between of an art director and a set designer. And what was cool about that is that um, you get to go out and find objects that are definitely going to, that need to, um, reflect the tone of this video and of the artist. And there's a lot of um, ideas and, and uh, things that you're trying to reconcile through object. And then um, also I like being on set. So yeah. that was really, really exciting to me. I love being on set because it's kind of like, we're doing things now. You prepared yesterday, we're here now. If there's a problem, you fix it and you solve it. And that to me was like one of the most exciting jobs in, in that realm of like, okay go out there translate this idea and and bring the space to life that's awesome i i think i knew so was that it was a music video right yeah yeah it was yeah, name like okay cool <laughs> with direct yeah yeah, yeah i think cool. i saw some of the bts stuff of that it looked very cool um mm-hmm. funky fresh kind of like uh it was a younger artist no yeah she was a younger artist and and it was supposed to be like a cute kind of vibe so there was a lot of pink and fluffiness and uh um she she reflected that too in her personality which is kind of funny so yeah so what was it like to work with an artist that it's always interesting because it's like they have their own style and their music and then they have a team around them where they obviously work with people like you to come in and take it to another level or you know specifically for that song how do you bring yeah. that style to life yeah. so I, like I said, I was brought in near the end of the, of the project. So there was a lot of things that I didn't have like a connection to. So in terms of the artist, I had heard that one song. Um, She also didn't have a lot of music released either. And basically she existed only on Instagram. Like there was no other video before. There was nothing to kind of uh, bounce ideas off of or, or kind of be inspired by. So um, I basically took the brief, I took the storyline and I kind of took a scroll through her Instagram to kind of get to know her a little bit and said, all right, cool. Based on the story, based on, uh, um, 
the look that they're trying to achieve. And also they were doing some special graphics for the video where like emojis and stuff would come up on the screen. Um, okay. I pulled the inspiration from that. So it was kind of like a fresh project too. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's cool. It's always cool to work on these projects because it, like we said, you have this opportunity to really carve something into a space that is, you know, blank. Um, yeah. I, I also know you did like some projects with raw pop-up, right? You were part of yeah. some of the recent um, shows. And um, could you talk a little bit more about that and what that um, process was like? So that project was really exciting. Um, I actually worked with them uh, for the first time as an artist in their show. And I got to see a tiny bit of what it was like behind the scenes. So uh, event life is so different from anything else. And it kind of is similar to set, to being on set on like a, a video shoot or something like that. Um, but in the case of Raw Pop-Up, for the Basel event that was 2018, that I worked on the art direction team and I was the lead graphic designer for that. Um, creating something over two months to then also bring it to life for seven days in a row. Uh, sorry, I think it was like six, for six days in a row um, was wild that I had never experienced something like that before. Um, every time I think about it, I, I go like, I can't believe that happened. And like the wild success of it was incredible too. Um, and in terms of art direction, that came together with Valentina, who's the, the art director of the project. And I, I teamed up with her on that. Um, and it all came to life basically from a story that we, we created. And the thesis of the whole event was a, a video that we produced um, as our teaser. So mm -hmm. that was kind of the inspo. So we started from this video and took the history of the space, which was also very loaded as uh, the Macy's building um, and combined that. And just that was our guiding our point of reference the entire time we're producing imagery and uh, designing posters for the space and communicating things to people like, okay, so what would the Macy's have had? But if it maybe had a sort of, um, trippy nostalgic vibe or a little bit of a spooky vibe because that's kind of what we were playing with in the space. So um, it was a very interesting project. I would do it again. It was okay. crazy. <laughs> and for, yeah. for those that don't really know what raw pop-up is, what's like a quick way to describe it for them? Yeah. So what was the tagline? What did you use? It was uh, a, a multidisciplinary, Okay, no. How was it? It was it was a bit, and every time it would change depending on the space. But basically, we would curate artists. We would bring them into a space. They would create their own installation or, or art project um, inspired by that space and inspired by a topic or a concept that we've given them. And for three to five to six days, uh, we would have people coming in, and that would be like the final uh, element to bring the event to life. So it was all interactive art that people didn't have to feel afraid to get involved with or afraid of touching. And that's what was special about the event is that it was interactive. And yeah. just the variety of work that was there also makes it really cool. So it was blending the lines between an event and a party and an art exhibit, which I think to people here in Miami is really fresh. Yeah. And it was mostly uh, relatively young up and coming artists, correct? It was you know, yeah. or age of, uh, of artists that are coming up. 
Yeah, we would find people. We had a curator on the team. So our, our team was really uh, grouped up and everyone had their focus. So our lead curator was the one that would kind of go out and find people. And she had already been working in the art world in Miami for a while. So she knew who to get in contact with and uh, mm -hmm. she would find new talent. And um, she was really great at like being that liaison between a space and maybe a particular location in in the event venue and how an artist could create something that was very them and fit into the show. So that was a big part of it about like curating the right people and also how they fit within our, our space. Yeah. And it bounced around, right? There was different venues and it was always, you know, a different Yeah. So that was, um, there was another uh, team that was part of that, which is they were kind of the architectural team. And they were the ones that would go out and find the spaces, create that connection with whoever is that's running it, whoever's managing it, and then uh, get us in there, basically. So yeah, depending on that space, uh, that would really influence the topic or the concept of the show. So um, before I was part of Raw Pop-Up, they would do a lot of events, uh, recurring events at the, um, the, um, the space, the event space in the design district that okay. has a Zahadid structure in there. And it's a very white, clean space. Um, and then as they went to go work out of the postal service uh, space in, in, um, in downtown and then the Macy's, we were able to pick up a lot more of the nuances of the space and, and the history of that to then inform the concept of the overall project. So it's, it's interesting how much that makes um, a difference in the, the final work created by all the artists and yeah. ultimately the experience of the people that come to the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of, you know, spaces and how they inspire, you know, different, you know, creative, I guess, projects and creative executions uh, in in the architectural world, like what was the the key factor that, that really hooked you into wanting to go into architecture? Was it the spaces? Was it being able to build a skyscraper? Like what was that dream when you were younger that got you into wanting to be in architecture? So my dad is an engineer. He's a structural engineer. So I basically grew up at engineering firms and looking through their cabinets and, and seeing all the art, the uh, drafting tables with cool tools and things like that. And that's really what inspired me. It was the environment and the opportunity to draw and play and create something. Um, and since I was a kid, that's how I was. I love to make things. So when it came time to decide what I would do, I said, I'm going to try and see what happens. And really what I, what I wanted to be was, and this is so misguided when I look back and think this, but I was like, I want to be an artist that makes money. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll be an architect. Right. And that's what started it off. And then, it, like I said earlier, like it just, it was the perfect place for me to be. I learned so much. I learned a huge variety about how to create objects and products and, and uh, all the kinds of software and ways to express myself and, it was the it was the best place for me. So what was funny was I wasn't really inspired so much by like buildings because by high school I had I'd been to Europe maybe like once. And that's kind mm -hmm. of where you go and you see amazing buildings and things like that. Um, 
I wasn't inspired by that. I was more inspired by the process and the opportunity to draw and, and make things and build models. And that's what, to me, I was interested in. As part of your entire journey, you know, from where you are now and back from college, like what are some of the biggest lessons that you feel you've learned from, from this entire process? Like what are things that you would tell yourself 10 years ago? You know, wish that you would have been able to tell yourself 10 years ago. I think the most important thing that I've learned is you have to be open to new opportunities. I've learned to really, uh, I used to stress about every little detail and decision I was making about uh, my work and what I was doing. And I, I would just be living a lot in the future. And in the last two years since I've been solo, I've just accepted day by day and I do the best that I can on that day so that tomorrow uh, the way that I produce and, and the effort and the positivity that I had in that yesterday comes into the next day. I, I was always an overthinker and somehow that hasn't translated into my uh, personal and profession, my professional life currently. So I just, I just tell myself next month, the work will come. What I have to focus on is today and doing my best and, and serving my community and serving my client. And, and this is how I'm going to focus. So I, I think that would be the most important thing because when I was in school and I was working at a firm, I was so focused on like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, and I would freeze and I wouldn't create, which is the most important thing. So at least to me, the important thing is to, you know, let go, accept the new opportunities, try new things, and uh, make space for creativity. So when you're stressing, that's just not possible. Yeah, I totally mm -hmm. agree with that. Um, so part of like one of the habits I've been building during the whole shelter at home quarantine thing is I've been taking like daily walks, which I, I really would never do. And it's weird because it's like, you know, you're walking around your neighborhood, but you haven't really done that in so long or, you know, mm -hmm. Kid, so it's always different but as part of that routine i've been walking and listening to podcasts and one of the um podcasts i listened to included the founder of reddit and he was talking uh -huh. about how you know there was a book that he read that kind of was like the sign of him changing or accepting that new opportunity that you're talking about and how he was about to become either a lawyer or a doctor and after reading that book it completely shifted his career and his path and so I started thinking like there's usually like these two types of signs. There's like these signs where like it comes out of nowhere and you didn't really expect it. And then there's these other signs that it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're like, once I see mm -hmm. this, once I do this, then I'll know. Mm -hmm. um, are there any of those moments in your life that you feel like it's that crossroad or that one, you know, singular moment um, that, that kind of has shifted that direction or made you, you know, make a decision that has changed the course of your life? Yeah. Um, in the middle of all this, of like just allowing things to happen, I believe a lot in uh, being prepared for the opportunities when they arrive. So if you're just sitting around, you're not learning new skills and you're not practicing your the things that you like, you won't be prepared for when these opportunities show up. So in that case, when I quit my job in architecture, um, that was August of 2017, um, I was just kind of taking a break, allowing myself to think and, and create a new pathway. And I gave myself also a deadline. I said, if I don't get a job or if I don't start 
picking up my own photography and freelance work by January 1st, I'm gonna go and back to a firm. Like I'll just do that for a little bit and then I'll try it all over again. Um, so in that time, I was focusing a lot on uh, helping out in the community. I was doing a lot of volunteering for different uh, organizations and things like that. And just being out there, uh, going to events, networking, just being seen and letting people know that I was available. Uh, that was when at the beginning of December of 2017, a photographer that I always admired uh, wrote me on DM on Instagram and said, hey, would you like to assist for me on the shoot? My old assistant canceled on me. I like that you have an interest in, in architecture and you've worked in architecture and you also shoot. And I said, oh man, I had a job already booked for that time. I canceled it and I went to go assist for him. Wow. And what ended up happening was I became his assistant for about a year and a half. And he was the, the reason that I wasn't like the fact that I was employed by him for all of 2018 is what really helped me set the ground, the, the, um, the foundation for my business that I currently, for the business that I have right now. Yeah. So that was kind of like a, a meeting of, of, um, of, uh, it was luck, but it was luck that I was prepared for because yeah. I had done my work. I had taught myself how to shoot. I had made myself available to people. I, I worked for that opportunity to work perfectly. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. That's kind of like how I see those kinds of like uh, faded moments coming together. Like they're almost, they're almost too good to be true, but you really, if you really put the effort uh, into it, they happen and those great moments that come to be. So yeah, that yeah. was for me, that was crazy. That was just a crazy, crazy moment. Yeah. And I'm sure that as it happened, I mean, it must've been cool to get that DM, but you probably didn't see it as like this. You didn't see it for the full trajectory of what it was going to, you know, result. Yeah, not at all. I thought, well, this is cool. Like I'm going to learn how somebody shoots architectural photography. I've always wanted to see that. And I get to go to this like cool house and I'm going to make some money too. Like I've been trying to find jobs and it's just, it was like a good just thing. And I said, let me go. I'm going to learn a little bit. And I even told him like, well, I've never really assisted. I don't know what I'm doing. And he wrote me like, I, I'm a self-taught photographer. I learn from books. Just come on. Like, it'll be chill. We'll, um, you'll learn what it's like and, and then we'll see from there. So yeah. I showed up with like a really positive attitude, ready to work, did my best. We had a very long day. And from then on, he kept hiring me and I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting how it plays out because I think, I mean, it's like when certain storytelling settings and media, there's like this idea that there's a light bulb moment, you know, like this, like everything just, it clicks and it makes sense. And it just happens in a singular moment when in reality, it's more of like a daisy chain kind of compounding yeah. effect, a series of events that, that do that. So I think that it's, it's important for creatives and aspiring creatives to like understand that side of it. So that they're not just out there like looking for these like clear cut signs that are going to, you know, guide them in their life. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and I also to, to just keep working, yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. keep working, yeah. keep learning because yeah. you never know when you'll need that knowledge that, that you just randomly uh, worked on once and who knows. So yeah. be prepared. <laughs> yeah. And it, 
in that path, they usually run into people that are, you know, mentors or some sort of guides in our life. Are there any of those kinds of people in your life, like a mentor or someone that um, you've learned a lot from and you've looked up to? Yeah, I mean, I would say the photographer, uh, Chris, again. So, um, and yeah, he's like a sort of positive mentor because I mm -hmm. think also there's people who we run into who teach us kind of the opposite of like how not to treat people and how not to uh, conduct business and things like that. So I think I look at Chris as like a super positive um, person and, and a mentor in my life because one, I learned how to shoot better with him. Um, I learned how to um, work on my client uh, rapport through him because he's really great with his clients. Um, he's also an ultra positive person and he doesn't have like a negative bad outlook on life. And I, I kind of picked that up when I was with him too, because I can, like I was saying earlier, like I can be very, um, I can get really stressed out. I can get too anxious about what's happening next and da da da. And, and he's not like that. He just, he's like, everything will work out. Everything's really great. And let's do it. And I'm kind of like, okay, cool. So I learned that from him. That was super great. And, and I love that he's a free flowing guy. And, and I really appreciate him for that. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, what could be, who could be another mentor? I guess uh, like on the other end, it would be someone that I had worked for in architecture where they kind of, I, they, they taught me how not to deal with clients and they taught me how not to run an office and they taught me a lot in terms of, uh, in that sense of, of uh, just running a business. So it's interesting how you can have mentors of both. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's funny because I was just about to touch upon that side. I was like, usually people ask, you know, what's, the best piece of advice that you've received in your life and all that kind of stuff. I usually tend to ask like, what's the worst advice that you've received that you realize later on was, you know, the opposite, you know, or you shouldn't have followed. <laughs> and yeah. oh. that, that's an example that you could bring up. Yeah. He, um, he would, he was just overall not the coolest guy. Like he would tell me that I dressed too weird and like, I would dress like Hillary Clinton and I should wear dresses and, 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 where uh bring a purse to work and i'm like i'm an architect and i'm climbing climbing on buildings like what does that have to do with me but so that that was one way that he was like the worst but also he he would tell me things like you need to just focus on one thing quit thinking about all this work that you're doing on the weekend and quit shooting on the weekend and quit doing all this and i was kind of like i don't know I, this is the things that i these are the things that i enjoy on the weekend is where i build my business where i do my thing and the things that make me happy um and that whole idea of just focus and do one thing is not the way to go. Particularly now, um, it's really paid off because since I am able to diversify my business, offer more services, um, I wasn't so greatly affected by the loss of work because of Corona. So I did lose work because all my photography work is generally in person or on set or with a, a bunch of people. So that was, um, uh, took a negative toll on me, but I've been able to maintain my graphic design projects. So the idea of like only doing one thing is a little bit antiquated. And and I don't, yeah. I would not advise that for anybody. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, 
I think I've spoken with other creatives that feel the same way that it's like you can no longer be a one trick pony. You can't just like rely on that one skill or that one thing that you're good at. You have yeah. to find a way to diversify or at least add another layer to it that makes it unique and, and, and separates you because there's a lot of people, you know, in the space and there's a lot of people doing things. So yeah. uh, just yeah. for the sake of and even for yourself, I think it's you gain a little bit more confidence when you know that you are good at various things and that you could succeed mm-hmm. doing those various things as opposed to, man, if this dries out tomorrow, what am I doing now? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Um, I wanted to jump back to the education side because um, I feel like in our world of creativity that it's kind of a weird blended world. There's a lot of self-education. There's people who seek traditional education and post-secondary and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously you have a bit of all that. So what's your take or like your go-to method for learning these days? My go-to method for learning these days. I just, I just throw myself into it. I'm just kind of like, I know people use YouTube university. I'm one of those people. I get on YouTube. I do it. Sometimes I also lose patience in that sense. And I'm just like, I'm downloading the program. I'm just going to mess around because I need to create some asset for myself or for a client. And I'm just going to go in and do it. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I learn. So that's just how I, how I like it. It's just kind of like, I like to figure it out. I like to tinker. I like to have a goal. Um, so in, in the case of like, I'm seeing a lot of master classes and things like that, where you just kind of follow this like curriculum that's presented to you. I, I get bored doing that. So I just, if I have a problem, I try and solve that one problem. If that teaches me new tricks with a program, that's the best way to go. So, yeah. Cool. Um, are there any tips or resources that you can provide for like aspiring creatives specifically I, I would say in the design and photography world um that are looking for you know ways to improve themselves or finding other skills that they can hone in on oh youtube university it's mm-hmm. crazy particularly for photography everything is on there and the important thing is to not be um too st- don't go into YouTube and think that you're going to find somebody creating an image, the exact same style that, that you want to create. That's not going to happen. What you kind of have to do is get into that video, even though it might be a video that was shot 10 years ago and the imagery is strange and things like that. You can apply the concepts that they're teaching in these videos to create the image that you want today. So it's, it's so interesting looking for um, photography tutorials on YouTube. It's, it's wild. It's so wild. But um, yeah, that's the most important thing. Don't kind of like judge people by like the final image that they're creating or, or by the age of the person in the video. Don't don't go for that. Get in there. If that's the topic that you are, you're trying to learn about, whether it's lighting or set styling or propping or something like that, um, or retouching, get in the video, look for the information that you need and apply that to your new problem. So, yeah. Cool. It's YouTube's the best for photography. It's crazy. Yeah. You can you can be a photographer through YouTube, which is basically honestly how I've become a photographer because I didn't do any formal schooling at all. So I would yeah. either just practice shooting, which is important, obviously, and just go out and shoot stuff because come on, um, and also YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I think there's just so much access to information online now that it's 
it's overwhelming to one side, but it's awesome because, you know, you can, the, the whole aspect of search and being able to find what you're looking yeah. for. Um, if anything, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I still do believe in like a formal education. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't think I would have be able to have achieved what I have had I not gone to architecture school. Um, when creative people ask me, or let's say some kids in high school are asking me, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I'm a creative person and blah, blah, blah. I would tell them to go to architecture school because that teaches you rigor. It teaches you endless amounts of programs. It teaches you how to make things by hand and digitally on the computer. It teaches you how to present to people, how to create a narrative, create a story, develop a concept, execute on that concept. And it's so amazing. It's like the best schooling I think anybody could ever do. So that's my, that's my take on school. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I only got a bachelor's degree and I studied advertising, uh, and I appreciate it, but I even asked my advisor at the time, like, should I seek out, you know, a master's program? Or he's like, honestly, unless you're going to go get an MBA, just go straight into the industry and learn hands-on. Um, I, I totally agree with that too. Um, so I was very much closed in that sense where I was just kind of staying in school and I'm like, I'm an academic, I'm an academic. This is what I do. And uh, I would see a lot of my friends doing internships during the summer and things like that. Um, or, uh, they would do internships, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, and then we'd have class on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I was a little bit close in that sense where I'm like, I want to do my best in school. I want to focus and things like that. Um, but there was some advantage that they had in terms of molding their career based on the experience they had had outside of school. So you really have to think about like what what do you want to get out of your your studies and then adapt yourself accordingly and don't just do what other people are doing you know what i'm saying so yeah mm-hmm. um are there any emerging trends let's say in photography or design that are really exciting for you or that you see like hap- you know becoming more and more prevalent in our industry in the next handful of years yeah. Um, well, something that kind of blew my mind recently um, and that I think is very cool and, and can be adapted to the way things are now uh, is the, the sort of 3D space scanning where they, they do um, the sort of like 360 camera and that's like combined with this method that somehow it builds a 3D space and you can start to access uh, spaces through photography or through video virtually. And like that to me is super cool. And yeah. um, and then considering how like nowadays there's this sort of uh, social distance concert style that's going on where people are going live and, and you're, you're experiencing live things via the internet, um, seeing how that will manifest through uh, events and event production and, and how live things get to people is going to be really really cool and i'm I'm excited for how that how that's going to work out actually um that's trippy and it changes photography it changes architecture it changes like do you need a space anymore are they are we as architects going to be building spaces 
that are meant to be, how, how would I say, processed by a digital medium and then represent a different space. Mm. I, I don't know. So yeah, that's what yeah. is blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the same thing. Um from the production side of things, like how you can go in 3D scan an environment and then import that into programs now and then go ahead and start building out a set in that program using that space and being able to kind of like forecast and uh, plan around it without even taking a foot inside that, you know, venue or wherever it was and being able to know exactly what kind of lighting, what kind of equipment, what kind of shots you're going to do. And it's like completely... It's happening already, but it's going to really upend a lot of the production side and force a lot of people to adapt because of that. You don't need to go yeah. there and scout as, as much anymore, and, and you're going to be able to make a lot of decisions that are going to cut costs and and make things a little bit easier to, to plan around. So yeah, that, yeah that... the pr- productions can get tighter, but it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I've seen some videos of how they plan those out, and they already have all the parameters set up, and they already know um, they have like a – they're able to digitally recreate how a certain specific light works at this temperature yeah. and it, all the materials. It's basically like, why don't we just shoot it in there? But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what it is is basically taking uh, a toy set that you would have as a kid and set it up, you know, how you would just kind of like place the different people mm-hmm. and objects and, and kind of test around. You could do it in, in the actual program and be able to see like, yeah. if I move this light over here, now it looks more like daylight as opposed to, sunset or whatever um and it's really interesting to see how that's going to pan out um Mm -hmm. obviously you know the whole situation with the pandemic has changed it changed a lot of things that were planned but is there any projects or or things coming down the pipeline for you that you're excited that you want to share with people well i have a new project which is uh the parasol coloring book which is okay. a project, which is something that came to be because of Corona. Um, and and now we're in the phase of trying to determine what that will be post Corona and post social distancing. And, and if it's an organization or, or if it's an initiative that will continue to exist beyond, um, beyond this time that we're in. So um, currently Parasol is a coloring book and It exists as a sort of medium to bring joy to people, and it exists as a fundraiser to help uh, provide needed uh, supplies to people um, who are affected by by corona and also uh, just general um, day-to-day hunger. So um, as we've been working on this over the past two weeks, it's still pretty fresh, people have expressed like, oh, how will you be able to um, continue to do this? Like they, they've literally asked us like, what will this be after Corona? And that's really got us thinking about how um, we can develop a practice or a design practice uh, with the goal of continuing to fundraise money for different goals. And um, that's something that we're, we're brainstorming right now. And um, the, the, the whole initiative starts now as a coloring book, but then seeing how we can we can modify that and and maybe become a nonprofit ourselves, um, but as a design lab, designing product and designing things that fundraise is is kind of an exciting um, project that we have going on now and hopefully in the future. Yeah. 
Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up most of what I wanted to discuss. Last couple things would be, are the, you know, I've been reading a lot of books lately and I've been getting into it probably more. I've ever been reading more than when I was even in, in any grade school or college. Oh, um, yeah. I'm super into it now. Are there any books that you've read that you would recommend, you know, aspiring creatives to to pick up? Aspiring creatives. What have I read recently that has really like sparked me? Um, I used to read a lot, a lot in high school, a lot in college. It was like my thing. But then now I've been so consumed by just life. But mm-hmm. um, I think I think this is a book that applies to just many people in general, uh, and also kind of loops back to my idea of how like uh, kind of focus on the day to day. I'm reading this book called The Power of Now, and it's a spiritual book, but I feel like when you nurture your spirit, you can also nurture your creativity. And and um, I'm definitely a person who needs to uh, kind of like um, really work on how my environment uh, influences my creativity and, and, and helps me be creative. So to me, The Power of Now is all about that. It's about focusing on the moment, and, and happiness and creating uh, a mental space that that continues to create joy in your life. So I think that's kind of a good thing for creatives to have because you can get kind of lost in your head about how to design something, how to create something, what is it? Um, and, and that kind of impedes creativity. And for me, being in the moment, focusing on the now is like the best thing for creativity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that's true because I think that in my kind of progression of picking up books and deciding which ones to read, it's like it started a lot more practical and like mm-hmm. specific things like design and typography and uh, advertising and, and copywriting and all this. And now I'm kind of moving away and looking more things that are like philosophical and leadership mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. little bit further away. But I think that's important to once you have read enough or understood and you start kind of running into the same trends and topics, you're like, all right, I need to step away and start seeing like, what are the broader uh, things at hand that can kind of affect how I work and how do I see these things? Yeah. And I definitely believe in that and like how, how these broader topics, they don't just affect your work, but they affect your life. And, and they kind of, as a creative or as a freelance uh, person, you kind of have to balance those too. So if, if you're reading and you're you're trying to consume some special knowledge, it's kind of good to do something that that helps both sides. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. I mean that that wraps it up. I think the only thing would be like, where can uh, people follow you? Is there a website, Instagram, anything you would want them to check out? Yeah, if you guys want to follow along with all the kinds of random projects that I'm working on, you can follow me on Instagram at jeans at j e a n n n three n s e s and also uh, I have my website, which you can see us visit and it's my portfolio. And that's at jnns.co. Thank you so much, Jean. I cool. appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having me.